want to introduce to you um, Jonathan Cooper. For those of you that don't know um, John, he is um, a brilliant bloke. He's a husband, he's a dad, he's a granddad. Um, he's a business leader. Um, he is an elder here at church, and he's a trusted friend. You were expecting me to say something mean, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to. Thank you. That, we haven't fallen out, because no, you're normally mean to the people that you really love, aren't you? But I just love this guy so much. And I'm um, just going to pray for him now. And um, hopefully you'll get some of his passion and his enthusiasm for life and for people and God as he speaks this morning. We're continuing in our series on being 6M people, looking at molding culture. So Jonathan, we just pray for you now. And we just say, together as a church family, we say thank you for this man who carries such a passion for the God that he loves. And thank you that it kind of spills over into his family and into his friendships and into our lives. And we pray for him now that as he speaks, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you'd show us what we need to hear. And that, I guess, will be different for different people in the room. That's great. Uh, but we pray we'll be ready to hear something that's significant for our lives and the moment that we're at right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, man. Morning. I don't think you were really expecting to be hearing Barry White <laughs> speaking to you, but I woke up with a bit of a throat going this morning. So, as Matt kindly introduced, we're talking about this thing of moulding culture. Um, and when we think about the word culture, what we're really thinking about this morning is, is the way we do things, the kind of the people we are, rather than anything kind of broader than that. But that's what I would... Hopefully, we'll see this morning is that as a church community, as people who are followers of Jesus, our culture needs to be and is very different. It is distinctly different, and we can make a huge change through our culture to the culture of people around us. It doesn't take very much to actually shift a culture. I'm working in the construction industry, and um, I was doing a large project some years ago. And the um, building contractor who was running the project, the managing director of the building contractor, came to a meeting because things had gone terribly, terribly wrong for them. And at that point in the construction industry, if you know what the construction industry is like, that's when the grenades start throwing. That's when the fingers start getting pointed as who is to blame. But this guy changed it. He got up in the meeting and he apologised and he said, gentlemen, ladies of, within the design team, this has gone horribly, horribly wrong. And you know, everybody within our design team changed our view. We, everybody worked out ways to dig the project back out of the problem, to bring it to fruition. It was successful for everybody that the contractor didn't lose a shed load of, lose a shed load of money, but also we ended up with a good building that we wanted. Just somebody's honesty and integrity brought a change in culture. It's amazing. And I believe us more than anybody can do that. That that's what we're not only expected to do. I believe that, and we'll see later as we go through this morning, I believe that we are called to do it. This is something we are instructed to do, to change the culture, to bring a kingdom culture around us and within our church, but also in our front line. When we go in front and we meet people, be it at school or work, that we represent a kingdom culture. 
But first of all, I want to just do something. I hope this isn't too embarrassing, but I want to do something just to perhaps demonstrate the difference between our kingdom culture and perhaps what the world culture is like. So, I have a challenge for you. Just for 90 seconds, and there is a point behind this which we'll come to. For 90 seconds, what I'd like you to do is to get out of your seat if you can, or if, if you can't, somebody will come to you. But what I want you to do is go and find somebody whose name you don't know. And I want you to find out what their middle name is, if they've got one. All right. Now, it's funny, isn't it? it's, it's, um, everybody's a bit funny about middle names. So, 90 seconds, starting now, can you go and find somebody's middle name? Thank you. What I was trying to demonstrate from this, though, there is a serious point to it, and there is a different culture within this room, and this is different to the world out there. If I was to go on you know, Saturday night into Weatherspoons and go up to somebody and say, my middle name's Bruce, what's yours? It probably wouldn't end well. <laughs> but, but there is a culture, isn't there, in this room what I want to do this morning is to try and understand what this culture is, what it stands for, what are the things that underpin it, what punctuates this culture that makes us different. So, Because if we recognise what it is, we can perhaps package it up and take it out. I believe that this culture is immersed in three things. And that's what we're going to talk about. I believe this culture is immersed in love. It is immersed in truth, and it is immersed in companionship and community. And I think that those things are which, what make our culture distinctive, okay? Now, I'll put a bit of a quiz out there for those who are good at um, quizzes and, and uh, crossword puzzles, because I'll come on to it in a minute, but I believe there is a Bible verse which expressly requires us to, to mould culture in that way. Okay, I'll come back to it in a minute. But can you just hold that idea of kingdom culture being in love, being in truth, being in community and, and companionship? Now, I believe that those three elements are particularly important for a number of reasons. I think that what love does, if we are in an environment where we know we are loved, it is a place that we can be relaxed and vulnerable even because we know that those around us actually have our best interests at heart. They're not trying to get one over on us, but they actually, we matter and we are significant in that group, in that community. Similarly, truth, if we know that we are being given truth in a world that is deceiving us of so many things, we can be confident in, our, in that truth. We can be confident in our position in that place. And in a world that is full of isolation, to know that we are part of community, that somebody will hold our hand as we walk through the toughest, toughest times, then that's a different sort of cultural together, isn't it? 
That's the thing that if we can take and bring into a world that lacks all of those things, God will be seen through us and in us, and lives will be changed. Now, let's go back to the verse underpins it. Has anybody got an idea what that verse might be? It's a little bit obscure. Philippians 2. And we'll go on and read it. Yes, it's, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, it says, if, um, if any common sharing with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete being, by being like-minded and having the same love, being in one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility can value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but also to interests of others. That's great. Actually, it's not that verse, but that's brilliant. I hadn't thought of that one. That's really good. Thank you. No, the verse that actually I came up with, or that just smacked me in the face, is actually none other than the Great Commission. And you weren't expecting that, were you? The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've always t- I've always tended to associate that verse with baptism services, where we go and we use that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But I believe there is a deeper truth in this. There's something much more specific about what we are required to be and do. We're called to, to, well, to draw people close to God, which is discipleship. But the second one is where we talk about all nations. If you look at what the Bible actually says and you go back to the it's really talking about communities. So we're called to go out to all communities and baptize them, to immerse them in this truth. That's what it's being called to do, isn't it? It makes so much sense. It's not about going around the world dunking people into water, which is great, and it's good that we are spreading the gospel in that way. But what it's saying is go and immerse people in this truth, that they know this truth, that they know the truth of God is love, that they know that that is a truth, that, that he does love them, that the Son is grace and truth. The Word, Jesus is the Word, and he is is absolute, total truth. And the the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the one called alongside, that's the one that, if, if we were live a life where people can see this immersed truth in us and through us. They will see the very character of God. I know these aren't the full elements of the character of God, of immersing somebody in those truths of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but they are a flip. it's a flipping good start, isn't it? If we were to be living that and immersing our communities, both ourselves and the places that we work and live and go to school, in our relationships, if we do it, if, we, if they're immersed in these values, people are going to see God. But I tell you, it's, it doesn't happen in a bubble. It doesn't happen on its own. And as I've kind of prayed through and tried to understand this this morning, I realized that the, the key thing 
that creates an immersed community in that way is servant-hearted leadership. It's servanthood that does it. And that's why we see it in this room. Because we've got leaders in the, the mat who are just servant-hearted leaders, but also everybody who runs and is involved in a ministry in this place is as a heart for Jesus and as a heart to immerse people, to reflect the love of God and the truth and companionship and, and being alongside. That's the hallmark of everything we do. You go to any part of the ministry of this church, be it a house group, anything, be it Enfest, you will see these things come bubbling through. And that's why they're powerful. That's why we see fruit, don't we? And we're seeing a lot of fruit because God is moving through us, because we are immersed in these things. But I also believe, and I learned over many years, that I think that this is, these, and I hadn't realized it until I was doing this, these things are what underpin all of our relationships and good relationships with people inside and outside the church. I've run a business for 34 years. Um, I'm an engineering consultant. We employ 8 to 12 people, depending. It kind of goes up and down a bit. But what I've found, the first thing I learned, that the role of a director or a leader of a company has got to be a servanthood. It has got to be a servant. Because as a servant, I've got, and my responsibility is, is to create an environment where people will thrive. And that's what happens in this church, isn't it? Creating an environment where people can discover God. And in my company, where people can thrive, and as a company, we can be moderately successful, but not very. Um, but, but that's what we're called to do. And in the company, it's kind of difficult because you have to love all the time. People have to feel loved, even though they can do some pretty daft things and can be fairly objectionable at times. But you can't hold that. You've got to, give, you've got to forgive and move on. You've got to, to be truthful with people. You've got to be honest. So many businesses are run on dishonesty. Um, you can't do it and you have to trust. One of the things I do, interestingly, in my business is I've never checked anybody's expenses, ever. And there's a really... It, I, for me, it is a particularly important um, thing that very few businesses would ever do this. I don't think I'm getting ripped off by anybody because, frankly, they're lovely people <laughs> who work for me. But why would I... You know, I've got to trust them. I've got to say, I trust you with 50 quid, because I'm trusting you with my business, then the whole reputation of our company. But they're trusted, and it's important they're trusted. And I try to be there for them at a personal level, which is what we do as a church. When things get difficult and things start, the wheels start coming off, you've got, even if, you know, I'm snowed under, and as I have been recently at work, just having the time to see around the corner and see that somebody, their responses is saying that actually all is not well. But I think the big rub of this, and the thing that's hit me very hard as I've done this, um, prepared for this morning, is that to see how much 
living with this kingdom um, values, these kingdom values, this culture, it costs. If you, if you pursue this way of life, it is going to cost. And it costs at a number of levels. See, in my business, I put a lot into my employees. I really do. And I care a lot for them. But sometimes they can turn, you know, and they can be pretty angry with me because their expectations haven't been met, because I'm not paying them as much as they want to be paid, because whatever reason, things are not going well at home and the one place they feel empowered to take it out is on me. And that kind of hurts. And I know that that's true in our church life as well. That all of our leaders, they throw everything into this thing. And it's sometimes so, without meaning to, people can quickly just throw in a line that can be devastating when they're trying so hard to be everything that God's called them to be. And we've got to be careful not to do that. But I think there is a deeper thing, a part of this. And without getting super spiritual about this, I believe that there is a resistance to us living in this way. I believe as a church and as individuals, if we hold these values, these values of the Great Commission, then there is going to be resistance. And it struck me that as I look around and I think of all the people I love and know in this church, there's an awful lot of them who are carrying a thorn in their flesh. There is something that is trying to draw them back. There is something that is undermining them. There's something that is becoming a distraction or trying to be a distraction, yet they choose to stand and keep walking. And I believe that this isn't just a random thing. I believe that, they, that the enemy will come against us and does come against us. And I tell you, the enemy is ruthless. He goes for the bits that you can't talk about because it's just too difficult and embarrassing. But it's the bits that hurt you most. Family turning against you. Kids turning against you. Habitual addictions. Things like that which are just grabbing at you and pulling you back and stopping you and trying to. And I have no answer to that. I don't have a great answer to that. But it's a horrific thing to see. And we need to recognise as a church that we've got to stand together with each other as we walk through these difficult things. Because there's everything going to be thrown at us to try and stop us seeing the fruit that we are seeing. Because it is making inroads against a world that is very, very broken. And, you know, I see some beautiful, beautiful friends and brothers who are going through some very, very difficult things. And I have no answers. I love having answers. You know, people who know me know I really try to have a, a great kind of response. And I just can't think of anything. And I think we're just going to stop for a second because we're going to pray for these people. Jesus, I just pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who know so many challenges. Lord, I pray that you would lift from them some of the weight that they feel that is being pulled, uh, where they're being pulled in every direction. If, if the enemy is behind any of this, Lord, in your name we cast him away and say, get out of way from this family. You have no place in this room. And if 
If these thorns are things like we'd read about with Paul, you know, where he had a thorn in his flesh and you, he had to keep hold of it. Lord, I pray that you give each person like a renewed resilience and a, and a, a renewed focus on you that they would just know that you are in control and over the top of it all and you will bring beauty from the horror of whatever that may be. Mm, Lord, we commit these things to you in your name. Amen. Sorry, right. Um, so, yes, working in... <laughs> going off on a bit there. Working in kind of our workplace, we can mould it. And I was just thinking then, you know, if we now come back and think in our daily lives of how we can be effective at moulding culture. And I think it's back to these things, isn't it? It's being servants to those around us, which is going to hurt because it's going to get thrown back in your face from time to time. But it's what we're called to do. We've got to love when, you know, people are just horrible, but we have to do it. That's what we're called to do. And we're called to speak truth. And that can be difficult, can't it? But truth with love, but truth all the same. We can't make it up. And to walk and hold somebody's hand who is just broken. And it's all their own fault anyway, but it's not for us to judge that. We just hold their hand because God loves them. And he wants them to thrive. That's what we're called to do. But it's a, it's a tough walk that we walk. And you know, we can't do it in isolation. This is, these are things that we can't do in our own strength. We can only bring love like that. We can only bring truth like that. We can only bring companionship and with people like that if we are feeling it from God. If we have that relationship in him that he's feeding us. And that's only going to happen if we draw close to him. If we draw close to our church family, if we draw close. And that's what our call to do is. I think that that's what God would just say to us today. You're called to, as I said at the beginning, to go and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in these truths. But I want you to get close to me first. And it could be you need just somebody to stand by you and speak love and, and God's spirit over you to, to get their whole place and, and, and move forward with that. But I don't know. Thank you. God bless you. That's good. Thanks, John. There's some important um, challenges there, isn't there? That I think, um, I don't you love how John just shares his heart and he's clearly been spending time with God, um, digging in, asking what's, what does God want to say to us today? Um, a couple of things that I just jotted down that I think maybe you, you might want to respond to personally this morning. And um, just have somebody um, just stand alongside you and pray with you. A um, couple of things. The, the cost of having servant hearts that can just be really, really difficult. And don't you love Jonathan's honesty? He says, I haven't got any answers. 
but I know that there's a God who wants to draw alongside us. And I was just thinking as John was speaking, I think there may be some of us this morning who are tired, um, who are weary, and you've heard me mention this before, that I do believe God wants to bring life to the weary, to the tired, who have just had a, a bit of a time of it, um, probably through others. But God wants to strengthen you and give you back that servant heart that doesn't give up. And um, Jonathan mentioned those um, with thorns um, and those where just it feels impossible to talk about some of this stuff to somebody else. And um, he talked about a new resilience that comes from God as we are vulnerable with one another. And so it may be that you want to say just enough this morning with somebody that would pray for you, just to have them come alongside and, and pray for you. So we're going to stand in a moment um, just to pray. Um, Lord, we thank you that you have been with us this morning in our prayers, in our listening to your word, in our, this fresh take on the Great Commission, what it means to be truly immersed um, in the different uh, communities where you've placed us. And Father, we, we don't want to stand still. We want to be responsive to you. So I do pray, Lord, specifically this morning, if there's any of us here um, who just, we need a new resilience a new belief that you will lead us forward from any thorns that kind of maybe in the flesh and we're struggling with. And those of us that have, we felt the cost of having servant hearts and it's just felt too hard. But you by your spirit want to bring a new resilience to us. Pray for any of those of us this morning and maybe something else that you've been saying, speaking to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that we would choose now to trust you. And we ask you to come and to put into our lives those things that we need. We acknowledge together that there are many things we cannot do without you. And so we just, before you now, Lord, we, we kind of take off the brave face, the self-sufficiency, the, that sometimes that security that we find through isolation, and we come to you, the living God. And we say, God, would you put in what we need to shape the culture that we face tomorrow. And if there's a conversation we need to have this morning um, with a friend or a trusted person that could pray for us, uh, give us the courage to do that, I pray in Jesus' name.